Hello and welcome to Book Reviews Kill, a podcast about fantasy, science fiction, and horror novels. I'm Evan, and today I'm sitting down with Jason Headley, also known as Easy Cat, a content creator and author specializing in books, board games, and beyond. Hi, Jason. Hey, how's it going? It's going great. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you for having me. I've got a whole list of questions here, but I think I'll start with the <laughs> obvious main one that we'll just, we'll just, we'll just knock it out. Uh, what are you reading right now? Um, that is such a great question. Um, I'm actually, <laughs> it's funny because I think I thought earlier, I was like, oh, he's definitely going to ask me what I'm reading. I should be pre prepared to answer that question and didn't. Um, but actually right now I am, I think I'm only reading one book, which is very rare for me. I just, I'm normally reading at least two or three. I just started, um, the next book in the Discworld series. So I'm reading Pyramids, um, which I think is book seven or eight. Um, cause I'm reading them in publication order. Um, and so, yeah, that, I just started it to, uh, last night and it's really good so far. And I've heard it's sort of supposed to be kind of, I mean, I know they're all standalone, but I think it's like, especially standalone in the Discworld universe. Like, I don't think there's, a, I don't think it's part of a, a, a mini series or whatever they're called in Discworld, but yeah, that's what I'm reading. And then I will be jumping into a couple more spooky reads that I want to try and get through before the end of October. How are you liking Discworld so far? You're on the seventh one. Yeah, I think it's I think it's the seventh one. Yeah, um, I'm really enjoying it so far. I think um, it's very light and it's very fun. And it's, you know, I, I love cozy fantasy. And I've kind of discovered this year that I really love cozy fantasy. And like Terry Pratchett is like the coziest of fantasy. Like it's very light. It's very funny, but it still makes a good point And it still has a worthwhile story. I think a lot of satire and a lot of like comedic books can sometimes feel not like a waste of time, but that they just don't hit as hard or they don't have as much to say. But every one of the Terry Pratchett books I've read so far feels like it has a lot to say while still being laugh out loud funny, which I think is really great. Yeah, I mean, not to not to overuse the phrase, but I mean, it's it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, right? I mean, it, it's it really uh, I mean, Terry Pratchett's trying to tell you something, um, but it's just the, the way that all those words flow together and the way that his jokes kind of just fall out of the sky sometimes. And you, you're kind of like, wait, was that? Oh, that was really funny. Yeah, and you kind of like because it's all mixed in there with just normal prose and a normal narrative, and then he just slips. It's kind of like um, I've I've compared it to watching um, like The Simpsons or Futurama. You know, the the story is going on, and then it'll kind of like change uh, the setting of where the episode is, and there'll be like a sign, like they're in church, and then there's like a some words on the sign outside the church, and it's it's like a fraction of a second, and you can't really. You can kind of just glance over it, but there's something really funny written on it. Yeah. And then it go and then it keeps going with whatever was happening. And um Pratchett's really good at that kind of stuff, just like sneaking stuff in there. Yeah, it's been very it's been a joy to like get to know his work because I've never the only thing I had ever read of his was um Good Omens, which is also by um Neil Gaiman. So it's been nice to really get to know Terry Pratchett's work because I've never really sat down with it. So it's been lovely. Are you on a mission to read all of them? Yeah, I'm going to try and read all of them. So and part of why I've been posting about the fact that I'm reading all of them on BookTok and on Bookstagram is it's, it kind of helps me stay accountable. Because, you know, <laughs> if I go too many weeks or too many days without posting about one, I start to get comments that are like, when's the next next Discworld book? And it like reminds me. So I'm not reading them straight in a row. I'm trying to do like every other book or every third book just so I don't get sick of them. But yeah, I'm really enjoying them so far. They're very fun and very light. And they're peaceful in between some other like very heavy books. Low stakes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I know what you mean about accountability. Uh, at the beginning of the year, I told everybody that I was going to do one Stephen King book per month. And he's my favorite author, but I, I kind of want to be done. 
<laughs> like, I can I just... only do one Stephen King book per year, so I'm glad that you could do one per month. Yeah, and I before I had started it, I had already read all of his bangers, you know, like all the really good Stephen King books, and so now I I've read like twelve, like kind of mid Stephen oh. King books. This year. I didn't think it all the way through, but um, it's fine. I, th I was thinking next year of maybe doing um something similar where you kind of commit to something like that. Like World Fantasy Award winners or Hugo Award winners or yeah. Pulitzers or something. That way it's like a little that. bit more mixed. You get different authors. Yeah, like doing that. one author is, um, yeah, that's a lot. <laughs> but with Discworld, it's like you're you're floating around um, the disc so much. Yeah. You know, there's so many different characters. And ah, I'm excited to, to hear what else you think about some of the other books that I've read. Because I, I just yeah. kind of sporadically, I've read like 11 or 12 of them. And I just kind of grab whatever sounds interesting but like when you're when you're ready for it i mean it's especially nice that they're all that they jump around so much because I, when i read sorcery i didn't particularly that's probably the, the one i've liked the least so far but going into the next book i i didn't feel like you know sometimes when you read a book in a series that you don't love going to the next one can be really challenging because you're like oh god more of this but because i knew i was going back to the witches and i wasn't going to be doing like i wasn't going to be going back to rincewind that was like a relief and it made me excited to go to the next book because I didn't feel like uh, more of the same. It meant that I got to go back to another area of the disc, which was it's which is a nice part of reading them in publication order, because then you're kind of jumping around and it always feels really fresh. Yeah, that was much more uh, well thought out than than my mission for the year. <laughs> I, I commend you. I wanted to ask you, uh, where did the name Easy Cat come from? I get asked this question a lot and I don't have a great answer, um, <laughs> but I'll, I'll give you the answer that I think that I think I that I think is where it came from. Um, so the first job that I ever worked where I was given a paycheck for what I was doing was at a pet store. And um, it was a, a pretty terrible job, but they had they sold um, there's a I don't know if the brand still exists, but there's a brand of catnip that they sold called Cucamonga catnip. And I really loved the like the art of it. And it just looked ridiculous. And I loved the name. So for a long time, I used uh, I would use a username that was like Cucamonga cat. But at some point, I got to a point where I was tired of typing that and it was so long. And like you go to, you know, you go to a counter and you'd be like, what's your email? And then you'd have to spell it out. And it was awful. So at some point I shortened it. I don't know why it was to easy cat, but that's what it got. Maybe because it's easier to say. I don't know. I don't know what was going <laughs> through my head that day, but I shortened it. And then it just sort of it sort of stuck. And that was my username that I had been using for Instagram for forever. So when I started on TikTok, that was the username that I used. Um, I think. At one point, I thought, oh, I should just change it all to my name. But that was not super doable because my name had already been taken on every platform. So oh, I was like, yeah. ah, just keep it like it is. People know it, know it at this point. But yeah, I don't have a great answer. It just sort of happened. No, I mean, that's that is a that is a great answer. I mean, it sticks out. Yeah. Easy cat. It works. Yeah. And there's I mean, I like cats and I think it's been helpful in the fact that when I wanted to branch out into doing more than just books, it wasn't like an issue of like my, my username was like, Jason reads literature, you know, like it made it which, you know, it's great that people do that, because then they're like really niched down. But when I was ready to like branch out and do other things, it was very, it was very natural, because it, I wasn't holding on to one thing with my username or my bio, it was just easy to be like, okay, well, now we're doing board games too, you know, did you find that the reception was pretty positive when you I wouldn't call it a pivot, but when you started including more than just books and weren't as niche as you previously were? Yeah, I think I think there I mean, there there's always going to be people that are upset. I in general, anytime I introduce something new to my pages, people are pretty receptive. It won't always get the most like book content is still what performs best on all of my social platforms. And that makes sense because that's kind of how I grew my my accounts, right? It was with book content. So that always performs the best. But 
board game content, you know, some, some you'll sometimes get people who've never played a board game that are like interested in that, or you'll get people that are like, oh my gosh, I love books and board games. It's so cool that you post about both. And then I've had some people that like will DM me and be like, I wish you only spoke about books and you know you just block those people because <laughs> i'm sorry i don't work for you you know what yeah. i mean um but it's uh in general i mean probably the most positive branch out that i've done to this point was when i started um reviewing doctor who episodes like that was like an overnight like people really hooked on to that like people were really excited um for me to watch all of doctor who and and react to it and since then like reaction videos have become a big part of my page pivoting into that became like a big part of the kind of content that i do um, very, very quickly. So, but yeah, in general, it's like 95% are very accepting of it. And 5% are the internet <laughs> on any given day. So we just roll with it, you know, the all caps, the internet, the internet underlying yeah. bold. When you moved over to, uh, not moved over, but when you started including Doctor Who, was that something that you knew that you wanted to do before you started watching this show? Or had you watched a couple episodes and thought, okay, I need to make some content about this? No, um, <laughs> I had no idea that was going to become a thing that I was going to do. Yeah. So um, I knew what Doctor Who was, and we had seen some, we had seen a couple episodes here and there, not super long ago, but at least a few years ago. So I knew the concept. And a couple of friends of mine and some people I talked to on the internet had had just really been pushing. They were like, oh my gosh, you need to check out Doctor Who. I had some friends that were big fans of Doctor Who. And they were saying, you know, oh, and I was like, well, but where do you start, right? Like, where should I even start? There's so much of it. And so they recommended starting with like the new Who stuff with Christopher Eccleston and, you know, the and Rose and all of that. So the first couple of reaction videos I did, I wasn't even reacting to the episode. Like I filmed when we did the first one, I we watched the episode all the way through. And then at the end of the episode, I re quickly recorded like, a, oh, I just watched the first episode of Doctor Who. And here's what I thought. And it wasn't like a play by play the way that the, the way that those videos now are. And that video got a lot of attention because I think in the video I said, should I keep watching this? Right. And people like, yeah, keep watching. So that video got like a lot of traction and um, it grew my account. I mean, I would say Doctor Who content alone grew my account by like 100,000 people, which is wild to think about. And three, we watched three episodes and the and those first three episodes, I just watched the episode and then did a reaction at the end of the episode. And by the third one, I was like, am I just going to react to every single one of these? And people were like, yeah, you should. So then it became like, a, am going to pause throughout the episode and make comments because it started getting really hard to remember everything I wanted to talk about at the end of the episode. And I was like, if I just pause the episode as I go and just like record a reaction, I'm going to catch a lot more things than if I just wait till the end of the episode and try to remember everything that happened. So um, I, it was not a planned thing, not to go on like a weird tangent, but I treat a lot of my page. I try to think about it like a TV network. So I'll try things. I'll try like, hmm. you know, this week, I'm going to try an episode where I talk about video games, right? Or cozy games, or I'm going to talk about this random thing that is something I really enjoy. And I just kind of try to feel it out and see how people react to it. And based on that reaction, I decide whether or not I'm going to keep making videos in that vein. So like a great example of this is like, if you've ever seen my slime videos, like me opening and unboxing slimes and reacting very negatively to it <laughs> and like crying because they're, I hate the texture of it. <laughs> Those videos did so well that I kept making them, right? So I treat a lot of the content I do like that. Like if I make something and like nobody watches it, nobody comments, I sort of say, okay, people aren't really interested in this. Let's try something else. But Doctor Who was like instantly people were really into it. So that was that really encouraged me to keep watching. That's a really excellent idea. I mean, your channel essentially is a TV, TV network and that people are tuning in. And I mean, <laughs> it fits pretty much every definition. Once you get to the size that you are, I imagine it's it's almost as much work as a TV network. I mean, are do you ever find 
find it hard to balance the amount of work that goes into making the volume of content that you do with, you know, obviously you probably have some sort of existence off of your phone. You probably, you know, it's, it, I'm sure, you know, you have uh, certain relationships to maintain uh, other work that you like doing that's not in the public purview. I mean, do you find balancing those things to be difficult? Uh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I still work a full-time job on top of everything that I do with, um, with book talk. I'm not doing content creation full-time. Um, I am working towards that goal, uh, but currently I'm not. So I work a full-time job. Um, so a lot of my filming is done early in the morning or when I get home from work. And I think the way I try to go about it, which I feel like is what a lot of content creators do is they, you make, you try to make the things that you do on a day to day basis that you enjoy be part of your content, right? right. So like, if I'm going to watch an entire show of something, I'm probably going to make that part of my content, because then that then it's like, you know, you're killing two birds with one stone. Mm -hmm. um, and I do that a lot. Like when we go, you know, I live really close to Disney World and Universal, and we go a lot. So when I go, I try to make content, because then it's, you know, I'm able to do something fun, but also like, make a video really quick that I can then use as well. So it's kind of all about, it's a lot, obviously, I mean, you know, this. it's a lot of time management. It's a lot of like, oh, I have five minutes to film this video before I need to leave for work. So I'm going to change out of my work yeah. shirt really quick, put on like a funny <laughs> shirt, film a video, and then change really quick on the way out the door. Edit it at work. Yeah. Well, we're like, sometimes I'll, I've done this before where I'll have an idea right before I'm supposed to leave for work. I'll film it in like five or 10 minutes if it's like a quick idea. And then I will if I get to work early, like if I get lucky with like traffic, I'll sit in the parking lot for five minutes and edit it and post it before I go into work, like things like that. But yeah, it's, it's definitely a struggle. And I think something that has been hardest for me is that there are so many things I want to talk about. I want to post about board games. I want to post about TV shows. I want to post about books. And like, there are weeks where I get overwhelmed because I'm like, I can't possibly post about all of those things this week because I just literally have not had enough time to read a book and play a board game and watch a movie. And I just can't. And I kind of just have to throw up my hands and be like, eh, it'll be OK. Next week will be better. You know? Yeah, that's something that I've uh, also found in, um, you know, with this podcast and my TikTok page and just everything that I've got going on. It's like kind of curbing that feeling of it's not it's not really guilt. It's Guilt is too strong of a word, but there's a certain kind of like remorse or malaise that kind of settles when you know that you're not going to get the amount of content out that you wanted to, but it's, you can't create time. You know, you can't, yeah. we all only have 24 hours and um, I've found, and I, I'm sure that you found this as well, but other people also have lives and things, you know, your content isn't the only thing that they've got going on. So it's, yeah. um, but it is a very important thing to you. And so like kind of trying to reconcile those feelings and, you know, it's, it's going to be okay. It's, it's fine. If you post like two videos today, and then maybe maybe nothing tomorrow and then like four in like yeah. one day or something it'd be nice if we could post five tiktok videos and three instagram reels and a youtube video and a podcast episode every day and just stay that consistent but um stuff comes up yeah and also just being like i mean uh, i try to make a lot of my content very humorous and there are definitely days where i've even like turned to my husband and been like i i am not funny today i don't feel funny today like we've had moments where we were going to sit down to watch a doctor who episode and we've ended up i'll i'll just be like no we're going to watch something else tonight i'm not going to record i don't feel funny i don't want to force being funny like we'll wait till tomorrow when i feel like i can make jokes and i feel like i'm in that mood right and it's totally. sort of like but I've had to like train myself to do that. There have been times where I've like just tried to like force it. I'm like, you know, just just push through it. Like we got to make a video <laughs> and that never works it. well. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I think one of the really nice things about the niche that you and I are both working in is that it's fairly easy to make decent content if it's something that you're really passionate about. 
Um, and it goes a long way. I felt like I, I don't know even know what I'm going to say about this book. I just I love it so much, but I, to to sit down and really put my thoughts down, like I don't know if I can do that, and it just ends up pouring out because yeah. you did really like it and you did have thoughts on it, and it was a very thought provoking thing you just read, or maybe it wasn't, and you could talk about why it wasn't. So the capital C content is always there, but the capital T time <laughs> is a, it's a cruel cruel thing. It is absolutely. So speaking of TikTok, uh, what motivated you to start posting on there? What was the motivating factor behind, okay, I love all this stuff. It needs to be on the internet. Yeah. Um, I also have a pretty ridiculous story about this too. Um, so um, before I ever got into doing like bookstagram or anything like that, um, I, so I work for a skincare company and I think a lot of the, some of the contents even still up, but I used to do, um, my company had this um, sort of, push to have people who were working in their stores. I don't work in their stores now. I oversee um, different counters. But when I was still working in a store, they had a push for people to start posting on Instagram because to the time, TikTok wasn't really a thing and to make content on Instagram. So I was basically making very similar content to what I make now, which is like, I'm going to talk about this thing. And every once in a while, I'll make a joke. And that's going to be like the content. And I would do that with the skincare products we were selling. And, you know, obviously like very small following because like only so many people are going to follow this random person who's making videos about this one skincare line that he works for. Right. <laughs> um, but, you know, at the time, that's what I was doing. So when COVID happened, um, my boss, because they were kind of trying to think they kept us employed. So they were trying to think of ways to keep us kind of like engaged, keep us doing something because we didn't know how long we were going to be in lockdown. She was like, oh, you know, I because I had told her, I was like, oh, I'm like, I just downloaded TikTok and I'm really enjoying it. And she was like, oh, well, you should try and make some of the kind of videos that you used to make, but for TikTok. And I was like, oh, that sounds kind of fun. So I made two skincare videos. They are no longer on my page. They have since been taken down. But um, I made two skincare videos and I specifically remember like nobody watched them. I think they had like maybe five or 10 views each. Um, and it's kind of what I expected, like new to any social media platform. Like, again, who cares? And so I was like, eh, I don't know this. I'm not really getting any feedback or like any reason to keep doing this. And then I saw Kate, Kate Jacobs um, had done. I came upon one of her videos talking about books and I was a fan of books. I was reading all the time. And I was like, I want to talk about books on the internet. And so I started doing some reviews of books and that got immediate reception. Like people were like, oh yeah, I, well, I like that book or, oh, you should try reading this or this or that. Right. And at that point I just launched down the rabbit hole of, of talking about books and took, took the skincare videos off my page. I was like, yeah, I'm not going to talk about skincare on the internet. Um, I, early on, I did some videos that were like kind of a, a blend of skincare and books, but I got out of that pretty quickly. That is a that is a pretty hard niche, the skincare book niche. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I kind of just knew that like the beauty industry side of TikTok was not gonna be for me. Like after I saw some of it, I was like, these these guys are I mean, it's it's like another level of I, I don't know. It just it seems like so competitive and so detailed and really cutthroat. And I was like, nope, I'm gonna stay on this side of book of the of the TikTok where we talk about books and reading and that seems way more my jam um so yeah so basically my boss convinced me to um get on tiktok and then it ended up being a thing that now competes with my job on a daily basis for my attention <laughs> was it overwhelming when you kind of noticed like oh hey a lot of people are paying attention to this definitely um i 
I am very much an introvert. Um, and anyone, especially like in the book community who's met me in, you know, real life, I've, I've had the pleasure of meeting a couple other book talkers, like in real life, like, um, you know, Kevin, uh, Zoran, um, Deirdre, Jenna, and I think they will all attest to the fact that I am I can be a little more reserved. Um, and so because, you know, you know, when we're making videos, we're literally just sitting in a room by ourselves with a camera. So then to take that into the public is like, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so I think getting all that attention was because it, it happened. I mean, I my account grew pretty quickly at at first. Like I, I my account grew really fast in the beginning, especially because there there wasn't very many much competition at that time. So there's, yeah. you know, now there's like a billion book talkers. Like there's the community lot. is insane. Every day I come upon a video uh, that is like some of somebody that has a ton of followers that I've never seen before in my entire life. And they're in book talk. Um, and it's just this huge, amazing community now, but at the beginning there wasn't that many people. So if you were a book talker, like people clung to that really quickly, but yeah, it was definitely, it was definitely overwhelming getting so much feedback because as, as we both know, yes, you're going to get a lot of positive feedback, but you're also going to get a lot of people that are like, uh, not happy with your opinions or not happy with the books you're reading or not happy how you make your content. And in the beginning, you know, there's no rule book. There's no like field guide, like being an influencer 101. So in the beginning, it was very hard because I took I, I'm somebody who takes everything very personally. You know, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's just the type of person I am. Everything I do in my life, I, I take it very personally. I, I don't believe in the concept of like, it's just it's not personal. It's business. I everything to me is personal because I, I am a person and the person, you know, saying these things to me is a person. And so early on, it was it, there were some points where it got a little more challenging. That was really, really, really hard for me. Um, since then, I've learned to like build boundaries and be like more healthy about how I interact with the internet. And just understanding that like, I don't need to fight with a stranger on the internet. Like that just is not something uh, it's just not something I need to do, right? Like, I just don't think I'm going to change random user with no username's opinion. <laughs> so I'll just block them and we'll move on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it, that is definitely a, a hurdle to hop over, especially yeah. when you're just talking about something that you love. For people to bring that kind of negativity in, it's it can be a little bit um, jarring because it's like, wait, this is fairly innocuous. I don't understand why someone would get this upset about it. But as you start making more content, you realize, oh, everybody gets upset about everything. Yeah. Uh, depending on, you know, there's always something. Um, yeah. So moving that away from you personally is a, yeah. is a difficult thing to try to do and like you know you gotta toughen up your your outer shell or whatever but it's like oh, well i don't want to though yeah i mean and <laughs> like, I, I think maybe the probably the hardest lesson i ever i really had to learn on book talk um and it's a lesson i feel like i'm still learning is that when you're getting a lot of criticism um constantly for the stuff you're putting out i think the hardest thing and, and i still work on it on a daily basis is being able to divide that into productive feedback that is like, hey, someone is trying to tell you that something you said, even if you didn't intend for it to come off a certain way is coming off a certain way, right? Like that's not someone that's not a person I want to block and delete. That's a, a person troll. I want to listen to, right? Because that person is just trying to help me be better. Mm -hmm. And then there's the other person that's just <laughs> trying to be a, you know, a butt in your comments, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, and being able to like divide those two and really like kind of see through that. I think that was that was the hardest lesson. Like, I think at first it just felt like anybody who had any sort of criticism was like attacking, right? Like I was mm -hmm. like, I'm being attacked. But then at a certain point realizing like, no, these people are raising a concern that is worth taking into account and making right for the future so that you make better content and you are just a better person in general. And this person is complaining about something ridiculous. So I think that has been that. I mean, I've struggled with it more last year than I did this year. I think I'm finally like, I think I'm on a good roll now, but it was definitely <laughs> like 
there was some rocky there were some rough patches so yeah um, definitely yeah so one of the things that you post about uh semi-frequently that i really enjoy seeing is uh your your discussions about video games i've been kind of starting to i'm trying to work them in just a little bit i'm trying to be sneaky about it but i i absolutely love video games uh video games were my first love before i started reading and they're they've you know s- since then become my second love obviously but what are you playing right now so first of all i think i'm the same way i think for for me video games for a long time were my main thing and now i find myself literally there'll be nights where i'll be like no i don't think i want to play a video game i think i just want to like read a book for a little bit you know and i mean that's great because there was a time i mean i still play a lot of video games but um it's it's nice that i have something that is not me staring at a screen for hours to do um right now i am playing um a game called wildflowers which is kind of similar to um harvest moon or stardew valley but it's a little more story heavy um than either of those and the whole game it's like very cozy like farming sim um but the the whole gimmick of the game is like you move to a town to help your grandma with the farm and you're from the city and this is a quieter life right but it turns out that at by night your grandma is actually part of a coven of witches so she like invites you in and you start learning how to be a witch as well it's also just like i mean a lot of games like harvest moon things like that are especially because harvest moon and like story of seasons and those kind of games are all made in japan they're not as like progressive as we maybe want them to be in the u.s right And this one is like very progressive. Like there's um, there's a non-binary character. Your character can like have romantic relationships with all different forms of gender. Um, There's there's like really interesting, like um, personal stories being told by all of the characters, which I think is super cool. It's just been really lovely. And it's frequently surprised me because this this type of game has is can be very formulaic, but it's frequently given me some nice surprises. So that's been really great. And then on the other end of the spectrum, I'm like, like counting the days until God of War Ragnarok comes out oh because I so I hadn't really played the the one before it. I played a little bit of it when it first came out, but it came out during a holiday season where like 20 billion things came out. So I never finished it. So uh, like two months ago, I had COVID. So I was like, I'm going to play through that game and I'm going to oh. start from the beginning. I'm going to beat it. And it was one of the most incredible gaming experiences I've ever had. It's ridiculous. It's so good. The good news is I've started streaming games on TikTok. Oh, cool. Like just I I think you did this with Elden Ring, if I recall. Like you I just did, point yeah. your you know, point your camera at the TV stream, right? Um, which has just been great. And it's a very easy way for me to like make content even when I'm playing games. And I think I'm probably gonna stream Ragnarok just because then I won't feel so bad about how much time I'm gonna spend on it. <laughs> there you go. It's amazing how many people will sit and watch you play a game. And I think that's so cool. And I was really excited about the possibility of like this whole stream key thing, because, you know, TikTok is slowly working to get like gaming streamers stream keys where they can basically stream from OBS, like the way that you stream from Twitch. And then they can see your face and they see a better, a clearer version of the screen. But I talked to a friend who had a stream key and she stopped using it and just went back to pointing the camera at the TV because she was like the she told me the stream key layout is not very good and she actually had better engagement when it was just her pointing at a tv which is so weird to me but interesting tiktok is wild (laughs) it really is yeah um i i'm still trying to figure out um that app actually uh it's funny that you mentioned that Uh, i was gonna ask you do you have any advice for people that are interested in starting to post content on tiktok specifically and uh, even more specifically uh book talk for books Give me advice on making a, and you don't have to be the advice guy, but if you did have no, any, fine. I feel like I have too much advice. Oh, like, cool. I feel like I always have like 20 million things to say about um, book talk, but I, I really think, you know, the, the most important thing is, well, okay. So the main thing I usually tell people like as, as like a complete base is just like 
figure out why you want to post content, right? Like what is the number one? It's almost like a, like a slogan or like a, and you don't have to ever, yeah, like a mission statement. Yes. Thank you. And you don't ever have to tell anyone like, it's just for you. That to me really helps guide what you do, right? Like if you have like in your head, like this is why I make content that always helps kind of guide me in like what kind of content I want to make or what kind of videos I want to make. The other thing I will say for book talk is like, you know, post about the books that make you happy, you know, post about the books that you don't like, like, try to be fair and balanced. I think there are people who are obviously like, you know, we talk about toxic positivity, right? Like there are people that will never post about something they didn't like. And I think that is not great. But I also don't love it when people only post about books they hated, right? Like I want both. I want to know what you love. I want to know what you don't love. I want to know what you felt meh about, right? Um, so I think that's really important to keep your your reviews very fa- fair and balanced. And then the, the last, I mean, the other thing I'll say, I don't know if it's the last thing I'll say, but the other thing I'll say is, <laughs> um, and I really, I really believe this is like, pick your battles. Like mm, there is yeah. any app, there's always going to be people that disagree with you. There's always going to be people that you disagree with. And sometimes those disagreements are part of a bigger discourse and they're part of really important discussions. And sometimes it's just noise, right? Like sometimes like you, you don't need to fight with every single person that says audiobook books aren't reading, right? You don't need to fight with every single one of them. You're not going to change their mind. And in a lot of cases, they're just saying it to rile you up because TikTok is an app that really flourishes off of, of discourse, right? Like it, I mean, there are so many actual parts and pieces of that app that are made specifically to get people fighting with each other. Like Ugh. the app wants you to argue with each other, right? Like that's why duets and stitches exist it, and, and replies to comments. It wants you to argue. And sometimes that is needed, right? Like sometimes I think it's important to say, hey, this is a bad take, right? right. Yeah. But sometimes you have to pick your battles. You, can, you only have so much energy. You only have so many hours in a day. Person number 50 that's like, young adult books aren't real books. They don't need your time. They don't need your energy. They don't deserve any of it. They deserve a block and a move on, right? But then that way you can save your time and energy for the things that are really important to you and the um, the books you really want to celebrate and the discussions you really want to have. Um, I think that's so important because I see so many people who try to fight every single battle that they can fight. And, you know, I, I get it. They're trying, they're, they, they want, you know, they want this better world that we all want but at a certain point they end up just burning out because it's yeah. it's too much for one person to fight every single battle so it's a huge community someone is going to tell that person that audiobooks are reading and that they're being a doofus right like you yeah, have to you have to pick your battles and the other thing i see happen too is like people that that fight every single battle that becomes their content right like yeah and and tiktok sort of tries to understand what kind of content you put out. That's why sometimes when you put out a video that's completely different from your normal content, it'll either do really terribly or really well, because it's like, it's like a sudden like spike in the algorithm, and it doesn't know what to do with it. If your content is always like fighting battles, and then you come on and you want to talk about a book that you like generally love, or you want to talk like give a review, or you want to just like do normal content, sometimes TikTok will like punish that, right? Like, it'll be like, Nope, nobody's going to see this. And that can be really disheartening when you finally want to talk about something you really care about and you really love where all your videos are that where you're fighting with someone are getting lots of views. And then your video are like, wow, I really like this book changed my life. And then nobody sees it. Right. (laughs) So I think it's, I think it's just really important to be, to, to find balance. I mean, that's kind of what I said from the very start, right? Like find balance, be joyful, have those discussions, have those discourse, but make it you and make sure that you're doing it for a reason that, that you really care about. I think if you're, if you're making content, from a place of like your mission statement and why you want to make content, you can really never go wrong. Some really awesome advice. Well, thank you. I have definitely seen takes on there. And usually my rule of thumb is 
if it's going to be reactive, put it in your drafts. Yeah, I do that a lot too. Yeah, if it's going to be reactive, like get the cathartic experience of of responding to it out, because like, obviously you're you're not going to be able to sleep. Like just just <laughs> like make the video, cut it up, put the subtitles on, put some music on there if you want to, and then just put it in your drafts. Go to sleep. But I guarantee you, like ninety percent of the time, you're going to delete that draft. You're going to yeah. just you got to let yourself cool down a little bit because I mean I have seen just. An opinion, in my opinion, in my opinion, is never really a bad take if it's about some uh, someone's experience with something. Yeah, right? like you can't really. Yeah, it's that's really difficult to argue against and would be really a waste of time. But the things that I would normally take issue with are kind of like these objective, definitive statements about the quality of this and why people shouldn't read. The, and it's just then you're yeah. going into territory of like, okay. I really don't like that. One of the things that I really can't stand um, in all communities, um, but you know, I'm very, very familiar with it in this community is the gatekeeping, the elitism, you know, the, well, I've read all of the Western literary canon, and obviously it's much better than the YA books that you're peddling about. And it's just like, can you just <laughs> stop forever. Can you never can talk you like stop that? Forever. Like, it's, it's such a weird hill to die on. Yeah. And yeah, it's it's very much what you said. Like, why why that battle? Why that hill? Like, what are you what are you really gaining? I mean, a lot of times I see there are certain people on on you know book talk specifically that I see make takes like this, and you know these where they make very definitive statements. And one of my one of my least favorites is like you know if you like this book, you must be an idiot. You know, like and or or like you know types of conversations, right? Like <laughs> if you like this book, I don't you know you must be you know you're you're wrong. You know, I yeah. I don't love those conversations because they don't really leave any room for discussion. Right. Um, and they don't really leave any room for like a good back and forth. Like some of my, you know, one of my very good friends, um, um, Kevin, who Kevin Norman, who does, um, mm -hmm. content on book talk. Right. So I absolutely adore, um, the invisible life of Addie LaRue. He did not like that book. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. I don't know if he's ever actually said that on the internet, but he did not <laughs> like that book. Now everyone's going to come for Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> and that's totally fine, right? And right. we can have really great conversations about why I loved it and why he didn't love it. And we can have really great discussions about that. And that's something I love about books is that people can have different opinions. And, and it makes for great discussion. But what I see a lot of times on book talk is like, no, somebody has to be right and somebody has to be wrong. There can be no gray area. And that drives me crazy. Like, it's okay for someone to dislike a book that you liked and vice versa, right? Like that, that's all right. And it kind of leads back to what you were saying about, you know, TikTok really relishes that, you know, like uh, something that I've noticed about posting too, is that people always want the best or yeah. the worst or yeah. these, this book made me vomit and cry and break up with my boyfriend, like all on the same yeah. day, you know, and then we <laughs> yeah. got back together and then like, and it's just like, oh my God, like, it's just, everything has to be, it's so, there's so much spectacle to. Yeah. TikTok loves a hot take. Oh boy, does it! I mean, I don't love a hot take, but TikTok loves <laughs> it's a hot so take. So funny how like nobody wants the hot takes, but everyone wants the hot takes. Yeah. And so, uh, speaking of um, Addie Larue, I kind of sided a little. I'm kind of in between you and Kevin. I think I'm yeah. probably. I really love the e. Schwab so much. Like the Shades of Magic trilogy. Like wow, just an incredible series of books. I liked Gallant quite a bit. Addie LaRue is one of the best ideas for a book that I've seen like this year so far. Like as soon as I kind of caught on to what was going on, yeah. I was like, wow, this is such an amazing idea. But it was just, there was something about it that just felt like this could have been a short story. 
like this could have been like a cool novella yeah. that could have like wrapped itself onto this really awesome idea and then kind of exploded at the end and been this really cool thing and it was almost like what are we doing now like <laughs> you know but it was the thing that got me through it was i mean v v e schwab's writing is just yeah incredible. like wow yeah i mean yeah it's like stunning writing and i will also say like my love for that book is is very much colored by the experience that i had when when i read it right like when i i read that book the day it came out there was no book talk hype for that book yet um it came out and i got it and immediately like read it i think i read it in like two days and for part of that i was like reading it at a coffee shop and i was like crying in the coffee shop like it just was this beautiful experience and then after that like after posting my review and that review did really well because obviously it was an extreme right like i loved it so much it was i was very positive it was like one of the first times that I like really connected with an author because of a positive review like that, you know, I ended up like being able to like meet V.E. Schwab. And so my my experience with that book is I, I recognize now, too, that if I think if I read it now this far down the line in, because I've read more in the last two years because of book talk than than my entire life combined. Right. Like trying to keep up with creating content and reading new books and reading the books that people want me to read and reading the books I want to read. I think if I were to read that today. I probably have a very different reaction to it. But like I sometimes you read a book at the just exact right time that it just really resonate resonates with you. And that's how I feel. That's how I felt about about um, Addie LaRue. Like I read it at exactly the right time when I needed to read it. And like you just became obsessed with it. Right. And I will say I did not have an experience like that of reading a book that just like completely captivated me and felt like sometimes you read a book and it feels life changing. Right. Like oh, yeah. you can't really explain how it's going to be life changing. But it feels life changing. And Addie LaRue was like probably the first book I felt that way about, like while I was on Book Talk. And I didn't have that experience again until a couple of weeks ago when I read uh, Babel. That was like this, the second time I can really remember, like, there's, you know, there's my life before reading Babel and there's my life <laughs> after reading Babel. And they are two different lives. Well, and that feeling that you're talking about supersedes objective critique in my oh, opinion. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, For sure. I can't bring an argument to that table now. That's good. That's, it's like, all I can, all, all I feel when you talk like that is, is happiness. It's just like, that's yeah. so cool that you had that experience with that book. And lots of people, you know, I've spoken with people like, and you know, to, to mention him again, I've spoken to Kevin about, and I can, I can totally accept that all of his critiques, all the things he didn't like about the book. And I'm sure like things that you didn't like book about the book. I'm like, yeah, no, that makes sense. Like I get why you didn't like it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but like you said, like, because of my experience with that book, like it's always going to be a really special story for me. Totally. Um, but yeah, when people tell me the reasons they don't like it, I'm, I'm always like, oh yeah, that didn't really work. Did it? <laughs> but that's okay. Yeah, I still love it. it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I get that a lot. Um, people ask me, um, probably one of the, the series that I get asked about probably the most is um, The King Killer Chronicles by Patrick Rothfuss. Uh, yeah. I don't know if you've read those before. So I've read the first and I loved it. And when I found out that the third was like forever <laughs> in the making, I told myself I will not read the second until we know that the third is coming out. Uh, so I haven't read the second one. I've only read the first one. It's a really interesting situation uh, for me personally with those books because I read those when I was um, like 20. Um, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm 32 now. And when I was 20, some really intense things happened to me. Like I moved, uh, I moved from my hometown to Portland to start, uh, start playing music and touring and stuff. And I was so poor. I was like eating cigarettes for breakfast. It was so <laughs> ridiculous. It was just... Um, and my mom passed away like a few months after that happened. And wow. I was reading The Name of the Wind right before she passed away. And so that 
particular book, in my situation of being in a new place, being very poor, and having um, one of my parents pass away, it was, I connected so hard with that book. And it, it, it catapulted me into reading fantasy again. I hadn't read fantasy for a while. I honestly felt like that book came came to me. Yeah. Um, and I have so many really intense, like, connective feelings to that book. And as a result of that, I've reread it like four or five times. And I kind of hate it now because <laughs> I like all of the. <laughs> and it's so funny how two things can be true at once because it's yeah. like, on one end it's like it's carved out this special place in my heart that i'll never forget and i can remember vividly like the way things smelled while i was reading it and the rooms that i was in and things and how much how it had just taken over my whole life and then also when i have conversations about it i'm like i can just list off all the things that are wrong with it that i think are oh just, yeah you know examples of bad storytelling and bad, not bad writing at all because the writing is absolutely amazing obviously but um it's just funny it's, it's funny how there can be so much nuance, not even in just a, a conversation you're having with someone else, but with yourself. Yeah, you're right. There's, there's so much nuance to it. And, and that's something that does kind of drive me nuts about spaces on the internet, like TikTok, or especially Instagram, I, or especially TikTok. I don't find this as much with Instagram, because there's not as much of that back and forth. But TikTok, especially, I think so much of the nuance gets lost. And, and that that makes me sad. Like, I think the nuance when we talk about books, and the way that books affect us, the way that stories affect us, right? And stories expands to everything right video games movies tv shows board games even have now are starting to have like really compelling stories and yeah i think the way those affect us and the way those sit with us is is like you said you can love something and hate it at the same time and i feel like we lose that sometimes when we're trying to make a, a piece of content that is as short as humanly possible but still <laughs> conveys all of that in 60 seconds or less engaging immediately yeah you have three seconds to get everybody's yeah. attention yeah, that's why uh, that's why I called my page book reviews kill because I felt like it was I'm I'm killing the experience of this book just by talking about it because I can't I can't do it. Like I just yeah. I mean I can try as hard as I can. I can I can and especially with you know I I came up with the name when I realized I could I only had 1 minute to talk about it. And I was like, well, that's going to kill the whole thing. And then yeah. and then I kind of like, oh yeah, that's like a pretty decent handle. Um and I mean, obviously now I've got a podcast where I could, I, mean, I could talk about a book by myself for like four hours if I wanted to, um, <laughs> but I, I really don't want to, um, but it's, it's, um, you know, when you do have a minute, I've put out videos before and thought, okay, I did it. That was, I did it. Oh my God. Like I, I, I got all, everything I wanted to say in a minute and then immediately someone comments something that I forgot to talk about. Like it's yeah. something that I forgot to say that was like a really good point that now I'm like, I wish I could remake this video and put that part in because of course, you know, that happened when I read Babel uh, and I, I, I worked, I worked so hard on my review for Babel because I didn't want to come out with Babel and say, yeah, colonialism, right? Like, you know, like this, this is crazy, you know, <laughs> like white people, am I right? Like we're the worst. Uh, I that didn't... really is a feeling you walk away from with that book though. Well, absolutely. But like, you got to articulate it a little bit better than right, that. You know, right. it's like, <laughs> yeah. Um, because it's a very serious subject. I mean, that book is really serious. Yeah. Like there's, I didn't smile like once when I was yeah. reading that. It's a very serious book. It's a very good book. And I can't believe that RF Kuang is like 26 years old. It's just wild. Blows my mind because she is, she's, I, I think she's literally a genius. Yeah. She's a, she is a walking, talking genius of a woman. And, um, that book, it demands a lot of work from you as a white person. 
and I'm happy to do that work. You know, yeah. like, I mean, you sit down and pro that's why I finished it. And like, I, I, I took like three days to like, let it sit. So I didn't want to just like finish it, hop on the internet and be like, this was so wild, you know, like you got to read it because it's just, <laughs> <laughs> made me feel like all this like whatever you know like obviously england is just whoa you know um, <laughs> that would have been ill-advised and i also didn't want to come out and do like the this is the best book i've ever read in my life thing and then harp about how good it was and then not say anything about it yeah so you read quite often um you read a lot of books per year uh how many do you think you read a year like where are you at right now well Okay, so last year was insane. And I I count if it's on Goodreads, I count it. So that's my rule. So if it is if it is available to add on Goodreads, it is getting counted into my number. So last year I hit 400 books. But that is a combination of books, manga, graphic novels. It's a combination of all of those, right? But when I went into this year, I was like, that's not going to happen this year. So because it was, I mean, it was insane. Like me trying to hit that goal there were moments in December where I was literally just like speed reading manga to like try and get to because I was so close. I was like, I'm going to hit this. So I'm like, manga, 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 right? And but then I had other books I had to read for like stuff that I was doing. So it was, I don't even remember last December because all I was doing was reading. So this year I set my goal much more realistic for 250. Yeah, um, so realistic. <laughs> right. And I'm at somewhere around like 189 or 190 right now. Wow. Um, I think I'm going to hit it. It's going to, it's probably going to end up being another wild December. I went through a, a little bit of time earlier in the year where I just wasn't reading as many just like books. I was like reading comics. Um, I kind of got behind a little bit, but now I'm kind of, now I feel really back into my groove. Like I feel like you know, a lot of people talk about when they read a really good book, it puts them in a reading slump. I'm the opposite. When I read something like Babel, it puts me in like, I can't wait to read more books now. Um, and so now I'm just reading a ton. And so I do think I will hit that goal. But the thing that I hate about a goal like that is, and why I'll probably lower it again next year is because I feel like it makes me not so much, it makes me avoid bigger books. I want to read bigger books, right? Like I have so many like high fantasy, big books sitting on my shelf that I want to read. And I end up not reading because I'm like, well, in the time I could read that one 700 page book, I could read three or four, you know, two or 300 page books. <laughs> right, like yeah. that's much easier. Um, and so I don't know. I might lower that next year so I can read um, read some bigger books and not feel so like rushed. And I do it to myself. No one else is holding me accountable for this. <laughs> like this is not like oh, book talk makes me feel like I need to read so much. It, no, it's just me trying to read as much as humanly possible. Um, and it's yeah, it's completely self imposed. But we'll see. I I think I'll hit my goal this year, but next year might be a lower goal. Do you have a reading schedule that you keep to to accomplish this goal? I kind of read whenever I have time. So I'll say kind of two things that help. I, I read a little bit every night before bed. And by a little bit, I usually mean like maybe an hour, hour and a half. Um, I also listen to a lot of audiobooks. So um, part of what I do for my job is I have to, I work in like, I oversee like a territory of stores. So I am driving a lot for my job and I travel quite frequently for my job. And there are days where I have to drive like an hour to two hours somewhere and then an hour to two hours home. And I listen to audiobooks the entire time, right? So that entire time driving is spent reading, essentially. So I do that a lot. I also like if there's a video game I can play that is like low thought level, I will listen to a book while I play a game. I can't always, there's some books I can't do that with. There, I can't do it with Discworld. I cannot play a game while I listen to Discworld because Discworld is like every line matters. Like every, ch and he shifts so quickly. Like, like YA contemporary, like cute little rom-coms <laughs> are 
perfect for listening to in the background because you can miss like you can zone out and miss like three pages and they're still doing the same thing and you're like okay great i know where i'm at the same coffee shop yeah the same coffee shop there's still enemies to lovers it's fine we're good but like so it kind of depends like certain games i can't play and listen to something in the background and certain types of books like i have a really hard time listening to fantasy while playing something because fantasy is i just it requires a lot more from you as a as a as a reader like and it requires you to like really invest in a little bit more but like if it's contemporary or if it's like something really cozy or light i can usually listen to it while i do something else Mm -hmm. and that's how i get a lot of my reading in and i also like read on paper as well but a lot of my reading i would say about 60 to 70 percent of my reading is done um audio and then about 30% is done on paper. Have you played Power Wash Simulator? Power Wash Simulator? Yeah. Like like car like car wash? Oh, I'm so glad I had you on. Okay, so because <laughs> uh, I'm about to I'm about to change your life. Okay. So you didn't even know going into this podcast that I was going to change your life. Um <laughs> you thought this was just a run of the mill book podcast. Oh. Um there's this game called Power Washing Simulator. It's first person. It's like a shooter, but it's a power you're using a power washer and the game gives you like a, a really dirty house, like facade of a house or okay. a dirty playground or a dirty car or a um, subway station or something. And it's just caked in dirt and you take a power washer and you have different nozzles that you can choose from. And there's no music. <laughs> there's no anything. And you just, oh you just, God. you just clean. And it is the most satisfying. It's like reverse coloring. <laughs> I have knocked out so many freaking books with this game just power washing. it's like the perfect flow state because you, you don't have to really think about anything it's super satisfying it takes a long time to get, actually get the thing washed you know they'll give you like an entire like playground or like putt-putt golf course or something like and it's just caked like everything is dirty in it and you just start at one end and you can be as you know <laughs> you can like be meticulous as, like, as meticulous as you want you could select a really small little nozzle and just do one line at a time. Oh my just, god! Seriously, it's, you have a you have a PC, right? Yeah, Power Wash Simulator. So I have so I have two that are like kind of meticulous like that that I go to. So one cool. is Pick Cross. Have you ever heard of Pick Pick Cross? Yeah, Pick Cross is really good. Yeah, so I yeah. do a lot of Pick Cross, and the other is I would say this is more in line with the ridiculousness of something like Power Wash, um, which is on my iPad. There's um, a it's like a coloring game. So it's like one of those paint by number games. Oh, yes. Yep. 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 So you get like the image. Oh, it's yeah. all white. You pick the color and you just like slowly. And I pick like the most complicated ones they have. <laughs> and I could just sit and listen to an audiobook for like an hour to two hours, just like mindlessly coloring things. And then when you get to the end, it like, it like shows you like in a sped up run, like how you colored the picture. And it's so <laughs> satisfying. It makes me feel like I accomplished something, even though I accomplished nothing. Jason, if you like the coloring game, I, you were I, you were you were gonna love Power Washing Simulator. Okay, I'm so I'm excited gonna for it you. after this. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm so happy that we got to meet up so we could at least. Like, I don't care about books anymore. I just want I want to be paid by the company that made that game because I would rep them so hard. They're responsible for so much that they that they know. They don't even know. Um, I I feel the same way though. Um, definitely there are some games where. I think I'm. I, it'll be fine. Like I'll try playing Elden Ring or Dark Souls or something, and I think it'll be. But no, it's it's not going to work. I have to focus too much. I found that uh, Hollow Knight was a pretty good one for listening to audiobooks and playing video games. Um, yeah. But it's. I, I, it was also like my fourth playthrough of it, so I kind of knew 
where everything was. Yeah, and, action and games was, are hard for me. My yeah. go-to, if it's like a more in-depth game, like turn-based RPGs are really excellent because really? there's like no timeline. So I read, I listened to so many books for the duration of Dragon Quest Nine. Dragon, oh right, Dragon Quest Eleven is the most recent one. Um, played through that entire hundred hour game, listening to audiobooks was, you know, I would just pause if there was like a, a, a cut scene, but there's so much grinding involved in like JRPGs. Right. So, and you can just like get into a groove. And the one I'm doing it with now is Xenoblade Chronicles three. And so just run around grinding. And the, the great thing about that game is it's, uh, kind of like final fantasy 12. If you've ever played that where the characters just kind of get into a battle and the characters kind of do their own thing and you just fight monsters and you don't even really have to interact. I mean, you can a little bit like yeah. you probably should, especially if you're the healer, which is what I usually play. But, um, for, you know, it's like a button every now and then. And it's perfect for listening to audiobooks. Yeah, I found that um, uh, Diablo three was. Oh, really yeah. Good one. Yeah, that was yeah. a really good. One those are great. For They're sure. so mindless, easy to easy to listen to a book while you play those. And I speed up every audiobook I listen to. Like, I don't know how people listen to audiobooks at like the 1.0 speed because I will go crazy. Yeah, it's too slow. Yeah, yeah. I, I have heard about like 1.7 to 2. Yeah, like something like that. And you can really crush them out sometimes. Like, I mean, if it's a 350 page book at twice the speed, I mean, it's like four or five hours. Yeah, like, yeah. Easy. And yeah, exactly. And that's how I get through a lot of books. Just, you know, listening to them while I'm doing other stuff. So when you're reading print books, um, do you have any kind of like rituals? Like, I mean, do you wear like a, a certain pair of pants or like a uh, there's like a food that you like to eat while you're reading or anything like that? Um. I don't think so. I mean, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, I like I drink a lot of coffee and tea, but that's maybe about it. I I really want to be one of those people that can like go to a coffee shop and sit down and read. And sometimes I do it, but I have a really hard time with it for well, two reasons. I feel like people are surprisingly noisy at coffee shops. Like mm -hmm. they'll have like really loud conversations and that makes it kind of hard for me to like get into what I'm reading. Also, I find so I live in Florida. I live in Orlando and so it's always a million degrees here. So if you go inside yeah. anywhere, they blast the AC to a point where it's like frigid. So mm -hmm. I can only sit in a coffee shop for so long here, like a Starbucks, because it's so cold. <laughs> I'm like bundling up and like shivering, trying to read a book. <laughs> um, so yeah, no, I usually just, you know, at the end of the night, I'll read. I uh, The only like weird thing that I can think of is if I read on Kindle, I make the words like almost as big as they'll go. Like I like the <laughs> sensation of like tapping to the next page. Yeah. So I like the words big because I don't want to be on the same page for very long. So that's the <laughs> only like, like kind of weird thing. It. Yeah. You know, because then you feel like you're going. You're like, yeah. wow, I'm like, I just got, you know, through 10 pages of this 20 billion page book yeah. now that I have the, the level of words. But yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's about it. I just got the Kindle Oasis. Ooh. Yeah, it's not worth how much it costs, but it is worth more. I would it's it's a game changer, like having the buttons on the side so you don't yeah. have to touch the it's so silly of me. I'm I'm the, I'm literally the laziest person in the world. So like I <laughs> I <laughs> if they gave an award, I wouldn't even show up to get it. Like it would be, <laughs> it I'd stay home. But there's like a little indent on the Kindle Oasis for your fingers. So it's not all flat on the back. And so you like on the and on the side where there's the indent, there's buttons. There's a top button and a bottom button. And when you click it, it turns the page. And oh. it's like, yeah, if you thought if you thought that was satisfying to touch the screen and have the page turn, you haven't even lived <laughs> until, until you've clicked the button. It's so great. I think that like I have a Kindle, and I think the hard part about Kindle is because so I also have an iPad. If I'm gonna travel, which is when I would probably use my Kindle mm -hmm. the most. I'm going to take my iPad because it can do all these other things. Right. And so my Kindle can only really read books. 
And so I find that I have a Kindle, but I never use it. So when the Oasis was coming out, I was like, this looks so cool. I feel like I would never use it, you know? And that's the unfortunate thing because I use my iPad for everything. I like reading on the Kindle. It's just, it's hard for me to convince myself to bring one more device, right? Because I'm bringing like my work computer, then I'm bringing my iPad, then I'm bringing my, probably bring my Nintendo Switch, even though Lord knows I probably won't even touch it the entire time I'm on this trip because I have 20 million other things to do. But I have to bring it because like, what if something, you know, what if there's a surprise Animal Crossing update? There's not going to be, (laughs) but what if there is, right? And I don't have my Switch. I uh, I just bought Super Mario 3D World and Bowser's Fury for Switch, and I I'd put it I'd put off buying it for so long because I was just like it's sixty dollars, it's I know what it is right yeah. like I don't it's need really good. To, it is the Coca Cola video. It's going down so smooth. Like I know exactly <laughs> what I need to do with that game. I know it's just it is just like as soon as I started playing it. It's just like, like it's just oh, I know exactly where I'm at here. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I was so happy that I bought it. But um, it's so funny because I'll spend sixty to seventy dollars on four books that I'll never read, no problem, no problem yeah. at all. But if it's a fifteen dollar video game, I'm like, I really got to make sure I'm spending my yeah. money on. You know, I I gotta really, and it's so, it's so weird because a video game is like instant entertainment. It visually, uh, like auditorily, it's 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 everything, and it's mostly a pretty cheap experience. That's like it could be like a hundred to two hundred hours with a book. It's like I've spent twenty seven dollars on a hundred fifty page book before, and like not even thought about it. I just like I want to have it. I just want yeah. it because it's <laughs> like I just bought Nettle and Bone. Um, oh, it's good. Is it good? Cool. Yeah. yeah. I wanted to ask you what manga are you reading or what's the most recent one that you've been reading um what am i reading manga wise so probably my favorite thing i'm reading right now is a manga called blue period um which is a manga about a high schooler who discovers that he really loves art and decides to start working to go to school like to get into college to be a fine artist it's just really powerful like it's really it really explores like different art, different mediums, the way that different paintings and art types are made. It explores different, you know, like chalk and watercolor and the difference, but it also just explores like the physical and mental strain of being an artist and trying to be creative and trying to innovate and trying to, you know, do something different than you did before. And it's just really spectacular. Um, So I've been reading that and really, really loving it. I also just read um, the most recent manga I finished was the second volume of a of a series called I think it's called Run on Your Run on Your Two Legs or Run on Your Run on Your New Legs. Oh, I can't remember, but it's about um, legs, a yeah. Run on Your New Legs. Yes, yeah. so it's about a character who loses one of their legs in an accident, and he was a soccer player. Um, so now he's starting to learn how to. He basically stopped playing sports, but then he gets approached by someone that's like, "Hey, I can make you a." prosthetic that is for running so now he's like learning to basically run again on this prosthetic leg and um he's starting to like compete and get into track and field and it's cool because it's not only just you know it is about like him learning to run on a prosthetic leg but it also really explores like how prosthetics are made what how do prosthetics work like what is the science behind them um you know how are they different for different people and you know how are the olympics that are for um you know people who are using these prosthetics like how are those done like it really dives into all of that and i just find it super interesting and just really eye-opening so those are the two that i'm reading right now 
Um, I mean, I'm in the middle of like a, a bajillion series, but those are the two that I'm that I'm that I've most currently been reading. And I think I just got a book about uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I just picked up one that just started. That's like a zombie apocalypse, except instead of turning into zombies, everybody's turning into cats. So you get bit <laughs> and then you get turned into a cat. I think it's called Night of the Living Cat. I, I haven't read that one yet, but I just picked it up and it looks ridiculous. So, oh my God, this looks so cool. Yeah, it's, it looks nuts. Um, and so I'm excited to read it, but I haven't, it's probably the next thing I'm going to, I'm going to read. Um, so for a while, what I did last year that was so great. And then I kind of fell out of habit was all of my manga, unlike my books, my manga are organized by uh, my, my unread manga are organized alphabetically. So mm-hmm. I literally was just like, I'm going to start at a and read everything. And as you know, if I get something new that came out, like, let's say I'm on D and I get a a manga that starts with A, I'm just going to put that back at the beginning. And I won't get to it until I've read through everything and go back to the beginning. Did really great until I got somewhere in like the L's or M's, and then it kind of fell apart. (laughs) That's not a bad system, though. Yeah, it's great. It was it really worked great. And it got me to read stuff that I'd kind of purchased. But then kind of, you know, how you like purchase stuff, you're like, I'll get to it later. And then you never get to it. It got me to read some stuff that I just hadn't gotten to. So maybe I'll maybe I'll do that again. I mean, I'm going to have to read a lot of manga if I'm going to hit this reading goal. So (laughs) maybe I'll get back into it. I found that that worked really well for manga because manga are so short. So even if it wasn't something that I particularly wanted to read right this moment, it was okay because, you know, in an hour I'd be done with it. Right. Right. Um, With books, that's harder because if I start a book that I am not in the mood for, I'm committing to, you know, five to 10 to 15 hours. If I read the first chapter, I'm like, oh, this is I'm not in the mood for this right now. There's no way that I'm going to be able to get through that book at this at this moment. So you just got to read what you're in the mood for. That leads me to my last question. And then we'll start. We're kind of wrapping it up here. Um, do you ever do you DNF books? Do you do you choose not to finish books and put them down? Or do you commit and stick with them till the end? It's very rare that I DNF books. It's hmm. it's like incredibly rare. I mean, a book has to like personally insult me. Like I <laughs> yeah. There have only ever been a couple books that I have DNF'd. Um, and it was because like there was just something about like in the first few, you know, chapters where I was just like, this book is not for me, or I really dislike this book. It's very rare. I mean, I think in my in- I can I can think of maybe three books in the past five years that I've DNF'd. Um, wow. and I think, yeah, I think part of it is because I read pretty fast. Well, there are two things that I think about, right? And especially now that I'm on book talk. So I read pretty fast. So even if the book is not great, you know, I'll probably be done with it in a couple days anyway. Like it's not like not a horribly painful commitment. And the other thing is like, sometimes the worst book, like a book that you really hated can make great content. So sometimes I'll push through. Um, More recently, there was a book that came out that everybody was really excited for. And I pushed through to get to the end. And I ended up DNFing it like 100 pages from the end because I realized I hated it so much. (laughs) <laughs> that I didn't even want to make a video about it. Whoa. Um, I was like, I don't even want to talk about this book on the internet. I don't like, I was like, I don't want to talk about it. I don't even want to deal with it. I just want to be done with this book. But that's only happened a couple times. I mean, I can think of two very specific examples where something like that happened, where I got almost to the end. It was just like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. <laughs> so I'll even, and I'll even tell them, I'll tell them to you. I never like, I, I try not to share books I like truly hated because sometimes people get really like defensive about it. But the one this year was Book of Night by Holly Black. Um, I've heard really mixed things about that yeah, book. Yeah, really, really despised it a lot. Um, I just really did not like it. And the thing is, it's very similar to another book, which a lot of people really love um, that I also really don't like. And people ask me about this book all the time. And I always just kind of like try to skirt around like I don't respond to the comment. Um, but it's um, Ninth House <laughs> by Lee Bardugo. You know, I love, a lot of people love, but um, 
I already didn't like Ninth House and Book of Night kind of reminded me of Ninth House. And so that was already in the wrong direction. And the other one, which you're probably aware of because you talk a lot about fantasy, and this might even be a book series you like. So if it is a book series you Go love, I'm sorry. Nope, nope. <laughs> um, I can take it. Was Garden of the Moon by Steve Erickson. <laughs> oh, you tried reading Will Watson. Um, oh, I have never been so actively angry at a book yeah, before. <laughs> it's, like, that's a whole bag of, bag of worms. Yeah, I felt like... I felt like that author wrote that book just to piss me off. Like that's <laughs> as I was reading it, I was like felt personally attacked by that book. Um, I ended up not finishing it. And then I just read a synopsis of what happened for the rest of the book. I was, Which was like, probably also confusing. Good. Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah. I'm good. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've only read three books in the Malazan series um, because every time I've, I've tried, I've tried it twice. Yeah. Um, and the first time I read the first book once, and then I didn't read it. Oh, and then I read half of the second one. And then I read uh, the first book again and then finished the second one and then read the third one. It's so obviously the best fantasy that's ever been written. Like it's so obviously the, and by best, what I mean is like, uh, I can't even explain. It's just, it, it's so obviously like the biggest undertaking. And like, once you're done with it, it's like nothing else is going to measure up, you know? Yeah. Um. But, it's one of the most difficult series I've ever read. It's very time consuming. You can't read anything else while you're reading it. And um, that first book, Gardens of the Moon, was actually a screenplay first. Oh, okay. And, then, and then Steven Erickson and his partner, uh, uh, Ian Esselmont, tried shopping it around. And everyone was like, this doesn't, what, what, what the hell is this? Like, this doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like, why are you, you want to make this into a movie? I would have like, the same yeah. thing. And then, so he was like, okay, well, I'll just make it into a novel. And yeah. so the first book reads like a screenplay that was turned into a novel. And so it's just jumping around everywhere. It doesn't make any sense. It is just like, what is this? But then the second book is like amazing. Like it's like, oh, really, it's really weird. Um, and it still jumps around quite a bit. It's in media res. It's still a, a, the learning curve is the biggest learning curve I've ever dealt with in books. But yeah, like someone not liking Malazan, like I'm just, I, I think it's awesome that you went for it. And I think everybody <laughs> should try reading Gardens of the Moon. Um, but with Ninth House, I'm kind of with you there. I didn't, I finished it. Uh, I didn't hate it, but it was one of those things where I felt like we were promised something really cool in the beginning yeah. of the book. And then it kind of like turned into like this weird crime novel almost. I was like, what are we doing right now? This is yeah. like, what's, and then it, I mean, it got really cool at the end, but I almost DNF'd it. I was almost like, just, I didn't understand why everybody loved it so much. Yeah. I, I don't, I will say like one of my biggest book, t book talk secrets. It's not really a secret. Like a, <laughs> people know at this point, but like every time it slips out, I lose some followers, which really? is that I'm just not a big Lee Bardugo fan. Um, and I've tried, I've really tried. I've read, um, four of her books. Now I read ninth house. I read all three of the Grishaverse books and I read, um, uh, six of crows and i just did not really enjoy any of them mm. and uh it was like the first i specifically remember it because it was like the first like book talk book yeah. that i like didn't get why i mean i get why it's so popular but that i just didn't really enjoy and i walked away from that book like eh. and that was and then you know with ninth house and i just kind of came to a point where i was like you know what i just don't think i'm a big lee bardugo fan and that's that's okay because lee bardugo has a lot of fans and of it's okay if i'm not you know what i mean <laughs> You don't need to like everything. And, exactly. And, I mean, uh, I mean, I, I liked Six of Crows and Crooked Kingdom quite a bit. They're really good. Mm. I still haven't read Shadow and Bone. We were talking about reading them on the podcast, maybe like in tandem with watching the show or something. But I think uh, Bardugo does really good character work, uh, especially in the Six of Crows duology. And then I feel like with with Ninth House, we had Alex Stern, who's a great character. 
Like, yeah. Awesome. I loved her as a focal point for this book, but it's just like the events that were happening around her, I was just really disconnected with and didn't understand like, why is this having such an impact on people when it's to, I'm just going to reduce the entire experience because it's my <laughs> podcast, but I mean, it's just someone <laughs> wandering around a school. Like it's just, yeah. just, like, I mean, and some things are happening sometimes, but like, it's just, I mean, it is, and that's a, you know, that's the thing about the internet, the, the space is that you and me can come together and we can have differing opinions on different things. And we can say, I really enjoyed this, or I really didn't enjoy this. And the, like you said earlier in this episode, the discussion that can blossom out of that can be so good and constructive and great. Yeah. You know? And it's about finding those people that we connect with and having those, those conversations, like you also said, maybe just just ignoring the other noise, yeah well and i know? think you know what's what's so key in what you just said is like you and i what we're having is a discussion like this is a true discussion right like mm -hmm. we're talking back and forth and we're sharing opinions but like i think people mistake tiktok videos where you're responding to someone's comments or stitching someone's video as a discussion and that's not a that's not a discussion right like that's somebody said something and then and then you overheard it and you're in another room screaming to your <laughs> friends about it and then that that person overhears you and now they're yeah. going to scream to their friends about it. And of course, all of your friends in each other's rooms are be like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Right. But you're not actually talking to each other. And I think that's where the miss is. Right. Like when you talk to each other and you have like discussions, you learn things and you come to common ground and you grow and you, you know, you you move forward in your existence. But the way that a lot of TikTok discussions, I say with air quotes, happens <laughs> is just people screaming their opinions at their own fans who are obviously always going to agree with them. Um, and I think, you know, the, I think if more actual discussions were happening, there'd probably be a lot less crazy hot takes because a lot of times hot takes are just in hopes that people will like talk of, you know, they just, you, you know, people want the reaction. Oh yeah. And I, I'm guilty of it. I've, I've done it myself, you know? Yeah. You're like, <laughs> let me just throw this out there. See what happens. I did it in the early days. Nowadays yeah. I played a lot safer because yeah. I got, I got tired of the, of the, the feedback loop, like the feedback can right. be, it's too much. So now I, I keep my hot takes to a very, like my biggest hot take is like, make sure to use captions in your video. <laughs> Great. You know, like I keep the hot takes on the down low now. Well, this has been a really refreshing conversation. You know, it's it's a much different medium and we can sit down together and actually have these kind of longer, more relaxed conversations with each other. And I'm, I'm so happy that you came on. It was so nice to actually meet you in person. We've we've connected on the Internet in other ways, but this is the best way to do it. Um, sure. And everybody that's listening right now, I really appreciate you being here for the entirety of this conversation. This was one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done on this podcast. Oh, and it was with, yeah, it was. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, but thank you. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. This is great. Hell yeah. Everybody, I hope you have an awesome rest of your day. Go check out Jason's stuff. I'll put all of his social media stuff in the description on this episode. And of course, happy reading. <laughs>